lot of different things that bring people joy. And uh, I know that um, Kevin said it a moment ago, but if you're a guest, thank you so much for being here with us. It's a very special day for us uh, on this campus because we are having a baptism celebration after our third, uh, third service today. It'll be right out here in the parking lot. So if you've never been, I hope that you either stick around or go get some Starbucks somewhere and then come back because uh, it is very exciting. And for us, just so that you know, baptism is simply someone choosing to tell the world that they've given their life to Christ. So it's not only a public declaration of a decision that they've made personally, not anyone's made this decision for them, but they've chosen to tell the world that uh, they have become a Jesus follower, but it's also a symbol. Scripture says that it is a symbol of your old life. <clears throat> your old life uh, is closing the door and a brand new life is opening up for you. So it's a beautiful, beautiful moment, very powerful. So we have a lot going on today, a lot behind the scenes. I know a lot of you in here are getting baptized today, so I'll make sure to get you out in time to go get dressed and, uh, and to get ready for the day. So it's very, very exciting. And uh, Kevin also mentioned that our small groups are, have kicked off. And so I hope you are in a small group. I challenged you right before we started Joyride to make sure you're sitting in a circle because the rows don't know what you're going through, but a circle can. And I kicked off Starting Point this past uh, Thursday night right here in Fieldstone uh, uh, Community Center, and it was awesome. But I'm telling you, there was a couple who stole the show for the night. They're in their 80s and about to celebrate their 50th wedding anniversary and told the story of how they met, and it was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. And all of it, they had us laughing, and I I remember just thinking, and I even shared this with the group, I said, that's the goal for my marriage right there. When I'm 80 years old, I can pick on one another. I can slap my wife around and she thinks it's fun. No, I'm just playing. They didn't do that. They didn't do that. But it was so good to sit in a circle and uh, just to get to know one another. And that's, what, that's why we design small groups, not only so that you can get grow in your relationship with God, but that you can grow in your friendships with other people who you have something in common with and you can do life with. And so I know so many of you are getting to know the people in your small group. So I thought as we go through this message today, we would just take an opportunity to get to know one another in a different kind of way, because here's the truth. There are two types of people in this room. There's not three. There are two types of people in this room and you get to share which one you are in this room. So are you ready? There are two types of people in this room. First group loves dogs. Second group needs Jesus. Okay, that's just how it goes. I'm just telling you there's hope for you. Where are all my dog lovers up in the house? Where are you? Where are you? See, getting to know you. Where are all the cat lovers in the house? There's so much hope for you. It is, Jesus loves you too. So, but there are two types of people in the room. There are two types of people in this room. We have our In-N-Out and our Whataburger. We're all, we'll start with Whataburger. Where are all my Texas Whataburger people out right here? Yes. And don't you love their ketchup? I'm just saying there's something about the ketchup. I love the ketchup. Where are all the In-N-Out people in here? California is that way. Okay, so anyway, I mean, it's just different burgers, different people. It's okay. We're all different. Uh, two types of people in this room right now. We've got our Astros fan, and they're playing today, the Angels. Any Astros fan in the building right now? Mm. Any Angels fans in the building? 
I was going to say, we got a bus outside and take y'all to River Point or church or something. I don't know, but two types of people in the room. Tell Patrick Kelly I said that. Two types of people in the room. Uh, two types of people in the room. Now, before I put this up there, before I put this up there, you really are, you're either or on this deal, okay? There are some who love zero inbox. You just go through them. And then there are those who have over 3,000 inbox. In, okay, so here's the deal. How many of you live with zero inbox in your email? That's you. That's you. That's you. How many of you are like, I'm going to get back to you one day. I promise. I got your email. I'm going to get back to you. Okay. See, two types of people in the room. Two types of people in this room. One, you only need one alarm. The other, you just line it out. We're all my people who just need one. You are ready. That's me. I just need one. I'm good to go. We're all the people who you need about 20 lined up every five minutes for some reason. And what's so weird is you line them up every five minutes, yet you know which one really counts. I don't even know how that works, but you got it. There's one more uh, that, that will describe two types of people in this room. Uh, not three, but two. But I'm going to save that one for you a little bit later on, and you'll see why I'm going to save that for you. You know, we're, we're in this series through Philippians called Joy, and just by raising the hand of different things that you would see gave you different kinds of joy. You're like, oh, yes, that's me. There are different kinds of um, uh, circumstantial uh, moments in our life and objects and people and experiences that really do give us joy. We love seeing it. We love talking about it. We love raising our hand on it. We love shouting about it. There is nothing wrong with that whatsoever. But here's what we're discovering in the series, that that joy is really happiness. It's not really joy because happiness is tied to circumstances. Happiness can be tied to objects. Happiness can be tied to experiences. But once that object fades away or a new object comes out, the 2.1 version or the experience wears off, well, then the happiness wears off. So happiness is really tied to your circumstances that are going on around you. But joy is tied to God. That joy can exist even when the circumstances are not going your way. Joy can exist when you're in the valleys of life. You really can have joy when there's darkness around you and you have no idea what's going to happen next in your world. You really can have joy. And the way I shared it last Sunday, and it meant a lot to someone, so maybe this will mean a lot to you if you didn't get to hear it, that happiness really has no room for sadness. Happiness has no room. It will not share space with grief and grieving and loss. Joy, on the other hand, absolutely can share that space. That it's, it's so crazy, I know, but we learn this in Scripture. Um, even in your grieving, Scripture says, grieve, but you don't grieve without hope. For those who loved Christ, knew Christ, you can grieve at their loss, but you can still have hope in the grieving that you really can share space when the circumstances are not going your way. And of course, the, the author of who we're learning this from, the Apostle Paul, knew better than anyone else 
Again, if you haven't been here, here's a guy who hated Christians, murdered Christians until he met Jesus, and then he became one. That'll change your life. And he went around literally wanting to tell the entire known world about Jesus. So he would start these little churches in these cities, just finding people, telling them about Jesus. He's amazing. You've got to know him. He will change your life for the better. You've got to know him, got to know him. Well, they would buy in and go, absolutely, this is what I've been looking for in my life. And they would form these little house churches. They would meet in homes and talk about who Jesus is, the plan that he has for their life. Well, Paul would stay with them for a little while, get them going, you know, like training, training wheels and get them going and then take the training wheels off. And he's like, okay, you guys are good. You're going, you're good. I'm going to go somewhere else to spread the good news uh, of Jesus Christ. Well, over a period of time, he would write them a letter. We call it a book of the Bible. But it's really a letter that you have. And this one is the letter to the Philippians. He was in Philippi. It's been 10 years, 10 years since he has been to Philippi or seen these early Christians that he led to Christ. And now he's writing them a letter to the Philippians to tell them about how to have joy when it seems like you have no reason to have joy. And in this one letter, he mentions joy or rejoicing 16 different times. And it's a small letter. It's not even one of his longest ones. So we're going to pick up where we left off last week. And here's what he says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. Therefore, my dear brothers, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Now, as you read that, it's easy to know what the context is, because here's what he's saying. Listen, you obeyed Jesus and you love Jesus. You had joy with Jesus when I was with you. But remember, I've been gone for 10 years. So now even in my absence, this is on you. You need to keep living the same way. Don't stop following Jesus. Don't stop reading what he has to say about your life. So here's how he puts it. He goes, but now much more in my absence. Wait, go back. Sorry, 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 sorry. Thank you, thank you. Continue, and here's some interesting phrases that he puts here. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Now, let me tell you about some of the things that he's talking about. He says to work out your salvation. He does not say work for your salvation, Every other religion apart from Christianity essentially has a list of rules. Here's what you need to do for God to like you. Here's what you need to do. Here's how many prayers you need to memorize. Here's how, here's how you say your prayers. Here's when you go to church. Here's when you pray. Make sure you don't do this. Make sure you do this. There's all the rules. Here's the list. And guess what? God will like you a whole lot more if you make sure to do all of these things. And when you die, fingers crossed, that your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds. And he goes, well, let me see, let me see. Yep, it was helping the old lady that's going to get you in. That one right there. And then you get to get into heaven. That is working for your salvation. That is not what he says. He says work out your salvation. Salvation is a gift from God. You cannot earn it, Scripture says. You cannot do enough good works to obtain it. You cannot find favor in God with your goodness. And at the end of the day, you probably don't want to hear this, but we are not good people who will occasionally do bad things. We are bad people who will occasionally do good things. Welcome to the bridge. I'm glad you're here. No perfect people allowed. This is exactly what Scripture teaches. This is why the beauty 
And the power of the gospel is that we did not go to God, but he came to us to rescue us. From who? From ourselves. That's why I came. And salvation is a gift from God. You cannot earn it. And he says, work out your salvation. Anybody watch this show still? I think it's on its 127th season. I'm not sure. I don't watch it anymore. But Gold Rush, anybody in the room? See, there you go. There's only like two of us. And, uh, but it's a, it's a great show. When it first came out, I'm telling you, my family, we were addicted to it. We absolutely loved it. And essentially, the reason that I really started watching it for a few seasons in was this guy right here by the name of Jack, uh, I'm sorry, by Todd, Todd Hoffman. And essentially, I just watched it over and over just to see how fast he's going to screw things up. Essentially, that's what it was. His dad, his name is Jack. So they would go to the, the Klondike, you know, and they would want to mine for gold. And every single time, every time they got a new piece of property, every season, Jack would get all the miners together and their team together. And he would say the exact same thing every single time. Guys, our gold is in the ground. We just got to get it. That's exactly what it sounds like too, by the way. We just got the golds in the ground. And you know what? He was right. He was right. He was a little cuckoo, but he was right. They didn't go to the Klondike and make gold. They didn't go to the Klondike and create gold. All they did, they took every tool that they had and they just worked the gold out of the ground. That is exactly the wording that he uses about your salvation. Your salvation is a gift from God, but you gotta work out the power of it. You gotta work out the meaning of it. You gotta work out, and this takes work. It's not just, oh, I gave my life to Jesus. Oh, I'm good to go forever. No, no, no. Salvation is a one-time event. Transformation is a lifetime. And this is what he's saying. And then he says, work out your salvation, not anybody else's salvation. Anybody got that person in their life that they just love telling you how wrong you are every time you do something? Nobody? Don't point to them right now if they're in the room. I mean, it's just, you know, don't you hate that? It's like, you're not the Holy Spirit, okay? He exists, I have, but you're not him. Here's what he's saying. It's your responsibility, not your responsibility to point out to other people. You're not the church police. You're not the religion police. This is your salvation, and this is on you. Watch. This is very important. It's okay coming and listening to a great preacher. It's okay listening to podcasts. It's okay reading other people's devotionals. But at some point, it's got to be you, personal, relational. Work out your salvation. And, and then he goes on, he goes, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. The fear and trembling doesn't mean that you're scared of God. It doesn't mean like, oh my gosh, he's going to strike me down dead if I don't obey him. That's not what it's talking about. The fear and trembling is talking about there's a lot at stake in what God has put in you. He did a whole lot. <laughs> it cost him a whole lot to put gold inside of you. And he wants you to work it out, to figure it out, to learn about it, to study it, to embrace it, to absolutely love what he's put inside of your life and that you would take time figuring it out and then living it out. Why? With fear and trembling. Because there's so much at stake. Eternity 
is at stake, not for you, you're taken care of, but for those around you. And I'll explain that in just a minute. And then he says this, which is so interesting. You work out your salvation, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. He says this, you work out and God will work in. It's a together thing. It's one and the same. You work out, he works in. That when you give your life to Christ, God starts doing something in you. Now, what's so awesome about this is scripture says that he is doing something in you. And now if you're like me, you go, what's he doing in there? That's a great question. Over and over it says, he's wanting you to become more like Christ. That's what he's doing in there. He's wanting you to act like him. He's wanting you to think like him. This is why it takes a lifetime to do it. And he's chipping away everything in your life that doesn't resemble his son. Now, he uses three things, three tools to work in you. The very first thing that he's going to use is his word. The very first thing he's going to use is his word. You know, when you read scripture, it says uh, in different ways, it says uh, one is um, all scripture is God-breathed. And it's useful for correcting, for teaching, for training, for correcting. In other words, that's 2 Timothy 3.16. Every single area of your life, God's word can help you succeed in that area of your life. That's what that verse means. And it's God-breathed. You go, what does God-breathed mean? Well, it goes back to another verse in Hebrews where it says that God's word is different than any other book you'll ever pick up and read. It's living and it's active and it goes to places in you that no other book can go. It's in you. There's something alive about it. You can't explain it, but when you read it, it's not just that you're like, oh, that's so helpful, and it is. It's like when you read it, it starts reading you, and it starts going down deep, and it's like, man, it just starts rattling around going, man, I, I gotta think about that a little more. What's happening? God's using his word in your life, and when this personally. When I start sliding away from God, I start sliding into areas that he doesn't want me to be in that doesn't develop me. It doesn't make me into who he's made me to be. He uses his word. The second thing he will always use in your life is his spirit. Again, when you give your life to Christ, he puts his Holy Spirit in your life. Holy Spirit in your life has certain responsibilities. Now, I don't know what religion you grew up in or what denomination you grew up in, but you know, most of the time, it's one or two extremes. It's either over here is, mm, I don't know, it's kind of like Casper the ghost. Let's just not talk about him, but we know he's there, so let's not talk about him. The other is, woohoo, fly from the chandeliers, you know. It's the Holy Spirit, you know, run around, feet on fire. You know, it's just kind of like, man, I don't know. So let's just kind of avoid him altogether, right? Uh, after this series that we're doing Joyride, I'm actually going to do a series on the Holy Spirit. He has certain roles. He has certain responsibilities in your life, not around your life, but in your life. So I don't want to give it all away then, but here's what I will say. The area that the Holy Spirit is wanting to work the most in your life is the area you're bothered about the most in your life. What you pray about more than anything else about this one thing or it bothers you more than anything else, odds are, odds are the Holy Spirit is just putting his finger on that one area of your life going, hey, let's talk about this. Let, let's, 
let's start this. Let's stop this. Let's fix this. Hey, let's take this up another level in your life because this will make you more like Christ. It's just kind of a little, a little, a little sign, if you will, of that one area that keeps you up. That may be the one area of the Holy Spirit in your life, God's tool, is wanting you to become more like Christ. The third thing I wrote down that God's tool, not only his word, his spirit, but also your circumstances. Whatever you're going through right now, God knows how to use it for good. This is what scripture says. It doesn't mean that it is good. It just means God knows how to bring good out of it. It doesn't mean he made it happen. It does mean he gave permission for it to happen. Why? He wants to use it as a tool in your life. Now, that all sounds great because it's pretty awesome. Man, the more I'm working out my salvation, kind of like a muscle, because I hear that if you lift weights a whole lot, you get bigger. I, would, I don't know anything about that. But it's like working out your salvation. And while I'm working it out, God's working in. Man, that's a powerhouse combo. But there's something that would prevent all that from happening. <laughs> this is so crazy because Paul is about to mention the one thing, the one thing that would prevent you working out, God working in, and that powerful combo coming together, Paul says, there is something that will prevent all of that from happening. It's like a barrier. And it's not your spouse. So just kind of you know, take that down. My mother-in-law. It's not your mother-in-law. It's not your boss. It's not your employee. It's not your neighbors. It's not your kids, as crazy as they are. It's not, you want to know what he says? It's you. It's me, not like me in your life. It's us is what I'm saying. We, we for our own lives. You go, how does that happen? I'm so glad you asked because here's what he says in the very next verse. So do everything without grumbling or arguing. The working out and the working in can be stopped with grumbling and arguing. So do everything without grumbling and arguing. That is a great memory verse right there for this week. Do everything without grumbling and arguing. You go, what does it mean to everything? Everything is what it means. Without grumbling and without arguing. You know, uh, when you talk about grumbling and arguing, it's like not, it's not that you just have a critical eye for things. Now you have a critical mouth. It's not just that, you know, you see it or you see them and you go, you know, I don't know about that. And you just think about it. It's not that. It's that you think about it and now you start talking about it. You know what? I, you know, I was thinking about this and here's how I see this. Now you've crossed a line to grumbling and arguing, murmuring. You know, the, the children of Israel were in the desert for 40 years because the Bible says they kept murmuring grumbling. 40 years and God's going, I ain't getting you out until you get this right. Till you stop. That's what grumbling sounds like. And God's like, I'm taking this serious. This is a big deal to me. So I don't want you to ever grumble or complain. Two types of people in the room right now. Two types of people. The glass is half empty or the glass is half full. The glass is half empty. Nothing's ever going to be right. Whining. Man, I'm just telling you, man, life is so bad. I just, man, why is this always happening to me? 
I can't believe it happened again. Man, listen, let me tell you what I hate about this life. Let me tell you why I dislike my job. Let me tell you what's so wrong about the world. Same glass, same liquid, another person. This life is amazing. What a day to be alive. Can you believe it? Man, did you read the news though? I know, but did you read the other part of the news? This was incredible. Can you believe this happened? And one is all about themselves. The other is all about other people. And he fleshes this out in just a moment. But it's like a here I am person and a there you are person. Two types of people in the room. Two types of people in the room. One is a here I am person. They walk in the room and it's like, here I am. (laughs) And it's all about them. The other person in this room is a there you are person. They walk in the room and they're like, oh, hey, there you are. Hey, how, how did it go this week? Oh, hey, hey, there you are. Listen, I was thinking about you this week. Tell me about that thing, that presentation you had to do. How did that go down? It's a here I am and a there you are. The glass is half full or the glass is half empty and you get to choose. And the circumstances that you're in right now can cause you to become a half full or half empty, your choice. And Paul says, don't grumble, don't complain. And he fleshes that out a little bit more. Whatever you're going through, don't grumble. Don't complain. He fleshes it out. Because why, Paul? Why is that so important? Do everything without grumbling or arguing. Why? So that you may become blameless and pure. That phrase, blameless and pure, is the word we get integrity. So that you have integrity with people who are watching. May become blameless and pure. Children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Anybody think we're living in a warped and crooked generation? (laughs) Got some amens on that. Absolutely. Let me tell you what's wrong with it. Okay. So without grumbling and complaining, just an agreement. Because we are. This is like the world we live in. And Paul is saying this, joy, if you really want joy, it cannot coexist with grumbling and arguing. You get to choose. What do you want to do? Complain about life, complain about your situation, argue with other people about your situation. If so, then you don't get joy. If you want joy, you keep that as far away as you possibly can. And remember when he started going, because there's a lot at stake. There's a lot at stake. Your salvation, you working it out as God's working it in, the gold inside, he's wanting the gold to come out. Why does he want the gold to come out? Check it out, verse 16. Then you will shine. Isn't that what gold does when it hits the light? Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in in vain. He's not saying that I'm going to boast because, you know, I got to heaven by myself. What he's saying is, man, when I get to heaven, I'm going to be able to say, golly, I'm so glad I didn't waste my life. I'm so glad I didn't live each day just grumbling, just complaining, just arguing, just murmuring all the time. I'm so glad. I'm so grateful. I didn't waste my life and I had so much joy because you will shine. And here's what he's saying. When you kind of read it all, he's going, you want to know what's at stake? Your friend's eternity. You want to know what's at stake? Your family's eternity. Your neighbor's eternity. And the one thing that will keep you from shining. So they start wondering how you're different and why you're different is when you complain and argue. 
And this was written before social media, so let's not even go there. Right? He's going, if you really want to shine, if you really want to shine, because what's at stake is eternity. At that day when you see Christ, what's at stake for their, uh, for their eternity is whether they watch you complain and argue. That's what's at stake. And if you really want to shine, it's pretty easy. Just don't do what the rest of the world is doing. Complaining and arguing about this and about that. And oh my gosh, can you believe this? Oh my gosh, did you read that? Oh my gosh, did you watch this? That's, that's what it says in the message translation. Here's what he says. He goes on, he says this. Verse 17, verse 18. He kind of wraps it up here. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the, sacri- on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. Now leave that up there and let me kind of remind us all of something because we want to look at Paul and go, but you don't know what I'm going through. If you knew what I was going through, Paul, oh, you would complain and murmur and argue because it's not fair. It's not right what I'm going through. I just want to remind you, he's been in a Roman dungeon for two years, strapped every single day of his life to a Roman guard. And in a few days, he is going to be looked at by a leader of the guards to go, hey, Paul, let's go for a walk. And it will be his last moment to ever live again on this planet. And he writes, even if my circumstance cost me everything, what a great day to be alive. Joy. And he adds in here, it was so interesting that joy actually comes from sacrifice and service. That's where joy comes from. Sacrifice and service. That following Jesus costs you something. Not following him will cost you everything. In the process, when you want to complain, just don't. Now, I want to tell you something just as, as, as a pastor, uh, not only this church, but been in churches a long time. When you're a part of a church family that refuses to complain, refuses to argue, it just does something. You can feel it. It's like, man, people love showing up at the place because everyone is just so pleasant. They're just so happy. It's not a, it's not a facade. It's not fake. It's not that people aren't going through hard times, but it's, man, this is life right here, that we're doing this together. I get to see you again, get to see each other again. We get to hear great music. We get to sing. I mean, it's just something about it. You want to know what will kill immediately the atmosphere of that church? You have people who do this right here. Music was too loud. They don't ever do a hymn. Preacher just ain't deep. They ain't deep. They ran out of donuts. I mean, it's just like, it's just grumbling. I want to help you out. I want to help you out. Are you ready? If you wanted a list of things to argue and complain about at this place, I can give you a list. If you need a list, I can give it to you. Man, it's always hot in here. They forget the AC every single summer. I hate it. I email them and call them all the time. Please help, please help. I can give you a list of what's not right about this place. It's a long list. But at the end of the day, I go, who cares when people are getting baptized after the third service today because they've given their life to Christ? I'm going to celebrate that, have joy in that, and not about something else, right? This is what he's saying. He's going, there's always going to be a list. No matter what church you go to, no matter your family, no matter your marriage, no matter your kids, no matter your school, no matter your business, no matter your government, no matter who's president, no matter who's running the whole place, it doesn't matter. There's always going to be a list. 
And you can choose to focus on the list. And in doing so, you will make everyone around you miserable and you will not shine. You want to know why? Because that's what everybody else is doing. But if you want to be different, if you want a different family, you want a different marriage, you want a different church, don't go there and celebrate what God is doing. And it, watch, not just celebrate it as you experience joy, but get involved and help make the place so amazing that other people's lives are changed too. This is what he's saying. That's why there is a group of people. I was like, I got to give a shout out. I got to give a shout out to this group of people. The crew. That's what they're known as around here. The crew. I'm telling you, this group of people. And if you're new, you don't know what the crew. The crew, without the crew, none of this happens. None of this. They get up here early in the morning before anybody ever gets here. They set everything up. They set up everything outside for the baptism party today. They set the stage up. They set every speaker up. They set every cord up. They set every, po it, they set every light up. They are absolutely amazing. And without their sacrifice and service, none of this happens. None of it. None of it. It's unbelievable. And the joy, this is such a great combination the joy that you experience in this service, watch this, because God does something in you. Maybe it's a song that you go, whoa, man, that one got me. Maybe it's something I say and you think I'm speaking directly to you and you're like, how did he know? How did he know I needed to hear that today? You know what that is? That's God working in you. Watch. Do you know why you experience God working in you? Is because there's a group of people called the crew who's working out their salvation. And what happens? Gold. Can't put a price on it. You can't find it any other way. Now, here's my question to you, though. Are you working out your salvation? Are you serving? Are you sacrificing? Are you giving of yourself, of your time, of your energies, of your resources, of your talent? Where are you jumping in the game? Listen, if you're like, man, I can't sing, I can't dance, I can't do anything. You can push a case and set up a cord. Join the crew. You can do something around here and you get joy and gold is developed in other people's life and in your life. It's a great place to be here. And it's a great time to be alive. I want to pray and then the band is going to come up and close with one last song today. Let's pray together. God, thank you for today. God, thank you for this group of people. God, for us that we call the bridge and we say it all the time that no perfect people are allowed, but I'm so grateful we don't want to stay that way. God, we don't want to remain living in the same cycle of life over and over. We really do want to be different. We want to shine. And God, I believe that we've seen so many lives change because that's exactly what's happening. God, I love the environment that God, every single person who serves and sacrifices that they create here from the, the curb all the way to outside of the baptism to the children's area. God, in every single environment, God, you're doing something special and unique. And it really does feel like gold. That God, you can't, it's just, it's just, it really is priceless. Lives that are being changed, marriages getting put back together, people being set free from addictions. God, we're so, so thankful. So God, let, let us always say, 
I will follow you. God, I will. God, I'll be a part. God, I'll step up. I'll step in and I'll work out my salvation, what you're doing in my life. It's uniqueness to me so that God, you work out of me what only you can. And that's people's lives being changed. So God, thank you for speaking to us today. Thank you for the lives that we're gonna celebrate in just a few hours that you have changed for all of eternity. It's in your name we pray, amen.